Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zanashef and John Plisse. Hey, howdy, hey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll tell you what, I came in tired, and that music just gets me pumped. Yeah? Matt and a couple of lines, and you're ready to go? <laughs> yeah, there you go, that too. That's always good to see you, John. You too. Cheers. I always have a, have a heck of a time doing the show with you. <laughs> Keyword, heck of a. Heck of, heck of, heck of, heck of great time. Mm. Yep. Hey, howdy, hey. <laughs> Here we are. Well, and you know what's funny is I uh, I took the family on a, a little road trip. Went to Disneyland. Oh yeah, loaded up the RV. Yeah, <laughs> where your cowboy at? Head down to Disneyland. <laughs> yep, yep, awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, went down there and uh, saw Snow White and uh, oh, yeah. you know, did you see Tinkerbell? Uh, no, uh, no, I was loved they, watching Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, we, we we had a good time, and uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, we went to a place called uh, J T Smith Schmidt's. What? Which I had never I had never been to before. It's across from the uh, Honda Center, which is where they have a bunch of events there down in uh, Anaheim. Okay. And I had never been there, and uh, it's it's been there for a while. I, I think we tried finding it once uh, several years ago, and couldn't find it. And, you know, this time uh, we, we caught a cab down there. And uh went in there, and, <clears throat> you know, they brew their own beer, and they've got, like, an amber, an IPA, a stout, <clears throat> a hefe, and, uh, and uh, you know, some sort of, a, like, a light lager or something like that. Nice. And <clears throat> having never been there before, but not wanting to pay $1.75 per taster item. Right. You had <laughs> you to know, try it. Being kind of cheap, and I don't want to, like, you know, spend, like, ten bucks on, you know, taster. Right. Just to figure out which pint I wanted to drink. You bought five pints. Because the tasters were, like, five ounces, and I didn't want, That's it. you know. I, well, I didn't want, you know, to drink 25 ounces of these miscellaneous beer. I just right. wanted a pint of something, right? Right. So I asked the waitress, I said, uh, so, you know, do, can you just get me a little pour of, you know, like a shot glass of, you know... A couple of the beers so I yeah. can, I can see what they're like and, you know, decide what I want to get. And she said, oh, she goes, well, which ones are you interested in? I said, well, you know, the Amber, the IPA, the Stout. Right. She goes, well, I can just tell you about them. You know, an IPA is, is, uh, you know, a, a kind of a more bitter beer with, uh, lots of hop flavor. <laughs> 
and and an amber is you know and I'm like no 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 I said I, I need to I, I, I understand what the styles are supposed to be like I said but I wanted to taste your uh, sample of it. Right. I mean, she was very nice and actually, you know, knew, knew a fair amount about the, you know, the styles more than I've heard, you know, in a lot of other places. Yeah. So I was really actually very pleased. And, uh, but, you know, she was very nice, but I said, no, I, I need to, to taste the, the beer yeah. to see what it's like. She goes, well, I'll just tell you about. You're like, no, <laughs> I want to taste it. And I said, yeah, I, I, I know, I know the, the, the styles of beer. And what's, what's really funny was, uh, <laughs> my kids, they, uh, they uh, they turned to her and they said, "Hey, hey, this is the man. He knows everything about me. Yeah. See, I got his book in my yeah. backpack. He's he's, he's <laughs> famous. You know. And she's like, uh, and your point. And uh, she's like, okay, I'll just I'll bring you some some samples then. Nice, good beer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, actually, it yeah. really was. I I really enjoyed it. I was, <laughs> but I I was just cracking up because my kids were yeah, just like, oh, dad. do you know who this guy is? He's yeah. famous. And I'm like, you know, hey, they're proud of you. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I said, That's you awesome. know, a lot of people, and I think they said, well, how come she didn't know you guys? <laughs> you know, I said, you know, it's only a very small group of people that actually do know me. Right. I said, you know, in the beer community, I said, in the grand scheme of things, it's a small group of people. It's a pretty big group of people that listen to the show, but right. in the scope of the world, it's not that many people. And they're like, oh, okay. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just think one day they'll implement like a, a Zena Chef requirement for all like bartenders. Like if they pass the Zena <laughs> Chef this, law. If this, if this idiot comes in, <laughs> fill out the Zena Chef requirement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pass it off to somebody else. Yeah. It's pretty cool that your kids are like totally support you and oh, hanging yeah, out with yeah, dad. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Disneyland and beer with dad. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because every once in a while, you know, somebody will know, know me from, you know, we'll be in some beer thing. Yeah. I go, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That person knew you. <laughs> yes. Dad has friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I owe him some money. That's why he knows me. And can oh, right. talk. And, <laughs> well, but, uh, no, we had, uh, actually, that was one of the best meals we had while we were down there at Disney. We, you know, ate at a bunch of different places, and it was really good. Yeah. Service was excellent. Well, that's Food good. was excellent. Nice. The beer I had, which was their amber, I really liked it. It was, um, you would have liked it too, I think. Mm. It was kind of along the lines of a, uh, kind of in between like an Oktoberfest and, uh, maybe, uh, nice. an alt beer Ooh. with a, uh, Halletower spicy hop Ooh. to it. Okay. I can it was feel real that. clean, but with, you know, a, a firm caramel and, and malt background. Nice. That was good. Yeah. And, you know, but nice, dry, clean finish. Right. Clean's good. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. I I drank a two, twenty-two ouncer. Nice. I was thinking of having a second one, but then I realized, you know, I got the you family there. Yeah, gotta be responsible. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to drive, but you know, you walk across the street. Yeah. Figured if the kids had to carry me into the cab, probably wouldn't be a good thing. No, so. I'm sure they they haven't done that yet, right? No. Okay. <laughs> so you'll be carrying them. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it was uh, it was really good. Uh, so I was really pleased with this uh, J T. Schmidt's place. Nice. I was. I would have gone back there, uh, you know, again, but. Was a little out of the way. Right. Did you go on the Manhorn? Matterhorn? No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Man. You know, I'm actually quite quite the pansy. Really? For rides? When it comes stuff? to the rides. I used to be like all over the yeah. rides. And uh the the problem is something happened to me at one point in my life where the slightest motion gets me it's sick. ill. Yeah. yeah. I c I can't can't handle it at all. And yeah. it's just like getting worse and worse. Wow. So I don't know if it's the tumor that's grown inside my head, right not. up against my ear, or uh, 
Yeah, or something else. Well, I heard your equilibrium over time does kind of go out as you get older. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying you're old, but yeah. I am. That's true. That's okay. all right. It's okay. <laughs> I can handle the truth. Right on. Well, I went on like a um, carousel ride or something uh-huh. last year at the uh, Alameda County Fair. Yeah. And I almost yacked because, <laughs> and I was dizzy for about 30 minutes afterwards and I had a worse headache for like four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I can't handle it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, whatever. I, so, so my kids go on that stuff like, like crazy, but yeah. I, I just can't, I can't handle it anymore. So I just kind of hang around, look at all the hot moms walking around. Disney Sweet. And the mills. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> In your That's RV. Kids ride. <laughs> yeah. How's that bad boy treating you? That RV? Yeah. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah. You know, nothing like going back to the RV, you know. Are you, you know, I got beer, this? beer in the RV, too. Oh, uh, you got a cake, I'm sure, right? You have to have a cake, right? <laughs> Do you store it at a storage place or at home? Storage place. Okay. Nice. Oh, yeah, You're yeah. a good man. Yeah. Sure your neighbors would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, they're already ticked off about the boat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That and the fact that I look like a homeless guy, you know, <laughs> and I'm there 24-7. Yeah. Doing your IT and yep. brewing beer right yeah. on. Making noise, you know, six o'clock in the morning brewing. <laughs> no, well, wake up. Wake You're up. an early bird. Yeah. We need like a Jamil, like, camera when you brew. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Your people would watch. Of course, you lose all privacy at that point, but whatever. Yeah, you know, I'd have to put clothes on when I brew and everything. <laughs> it would be terrible. But, uh. <laughs> all right, so, all right. uh, t- tonight, heavy. We're, we're, yeah, we're talking about <laughs> we heavy. <laughs> Or strong Scotch ale, mm-hmm. so uh, not the same as the Scottish ales, which are tend right. to be the lighter ones, but they're all kind of interrelated. Are know? they similar malt tinnitus? Would you say is gravity dependent? Yeah, yeah, Maybe uh, you know, gra- the, 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 it's it's a higher gravity beer, and it does does do all sorts of other things. Right. You have a description of the style for us. I do. Um, these beers are really good to age. You know, up to four to six months. Um, if you ever drink one, uh, I'm a big fan of Bellhaven Wee Heavy. Um, in the aroma, you should get some caramel notes, um, mm-hmm. maybe some hints of some esters from the yeast, of course, and maybe like a perfume from the alcohol level. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, it's copper to dark brown color, and that's definitely gravity dependent. Um, and there should be some ruby highlights and you know, big tan head retention. Uh, the flavor, it's definitely rich in maltiness. I mean, this is a malty beer. It's not a hop-based beer. It's all about the malt. Um, some smoke character is acceptable, but I'm not really into the smoke. Um, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. no no smoke character. Yeah. It's a mistake. Yeah. Um, you're low hop bitterness. You're just using bitterness hops to balance out the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, low to medium esters, you know, hints of raisins, plums. Um, then uh, what else? Um, overall, it's a rich, full-bodied, malty Warming alcohol beer uh, makes for a great winter dessert beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it at night before I go to bed. You know, maybe half a pint, just a sip or two, kind of calms the nerves, and <laughs> you pass out, <laughs> sleep well. So, so you drink yourself to sleep. <laughs> I have before. I think this is one of the signs <laughs> of yeah. I drink because I appreciate the flavor. <laughs> I want to go to sleep dreaming of it. So. <laughs> but I definitely encourage people they do brew this to age it for uh-huh. you know four to six months before really tapping it. So uh, a couple of things, like you were talking about the maltiness of the beer. It's a malty beer. So it's it's both uh, malty in flavor, right? the character of the malt, and also it tends to be kind of malty in sweetness, too. 
have that malty sweetness and in, in kind of both aspects of what you might call malty. Well, yeah, like malty sweetness from the residuals. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. And malty in the flavor, and right. So yeah, it's like you're saying, it's a malty beer. It's not really a hoppy beer, hmm. and the hop balance tends to be real, you know, subtle and uh, just enough to keep it from you know being overly sweet, and uh, to kind of balance out some of that malt sweetness, which right. a lot, like you're saying, comes from the higher gravity, right? And also, uh, you know, less attenuative yeasts. Uh, tend to be as well. And then, um, uh, you know, that smoky character. Now, yeah, you know, they, for the longest time, uh, you know, in the style guide, it talked about, you know, smoke character and stuff. And people, you know, went nuts with that. You yeah. know, it was just like, well, you know, yeah. I, and I think, you know, perhaps at that time, the, the style guide wasn't, you know, uh, didn't emphasize well enough how subtle that character might be if right. it was present at all. It isn't like a requirement. And then if it is there, they was just saying like, well, you know, in, in, in an example or two, it kind of seems slightly smoky. Right. And, and really, um, I would never add any smoke malt to, to a Scottish ale. It's just not, just not appropriate. Yeah. And what, when, when you are talking a smoky note, it is the, the smoky note that if you were to add like some highly kilned malt, like a roasted barley. Sure. And you were to, uh, you know, boil it a little longer and, you know, a couple of these things all together, you might say, oh, you know, smoke. is there a hint of smoke in the background huh. there? Or am I imagining it? You right. know? But that's you, what you're looking for. Or, yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that would be it. That would be the sum total of the smoke character that you would get. Nice. And you would get that again from the highly killed malts and you get that from maybe the yeast and, you know, this nonsense about peat and water is Rotion. like, give me, Ugh. give me, give me a freaking break. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just crazy talk. That would just be a smoke beer at that you point. Know, I've, yeah, and I've, and, and, you know, the people say, well, you know, all the water there, it filters through the peat bogs and, you know, that's what makes the smoky. And it's like, I'm sorry, but the way peat gets smoky is by burning the peat. Right. Okay. If you run water through peat moss, you get, uh, you know, it tastes like dirt. Ugh. Okay. It, it's a, a tannin that comes out and it tastes like dirt. Ugh. And, um, people, you know, use if, if you, if you go and you taste the water at the breweries in Scotland, yeah. It doesn't taste anything like anything. It tastes like just clean, water. pure water. Yeah. Okay. They wouldn't use water that tasted like dirt or smoke or anything like that. The people imagine yeah. that you haven't tried this, you know. They, I, I just really don't know. People are clinging to this this belief uh, fiercely, and no uh, dirt required. No dirt, no smoke. <laughs> it's just not not, not happening. Can so. uh, you you raise a question? Can can kettle caramelization? Give hints of smoke character? Sure, I think so. And some melanoid okay. formation as well. I think, you know, along those lines, especially, uh, you know, a high, uh, high heat directed, uh, you know, with a very thin layer of liquid, uh, you know, you could get, uh, maybe in some scorching there, especially if the, if you get, if you're boiling down the, the wort and you get to a thick, Syrupy thing in yeah. your, and you, uh, you keep applying heat. I think you can get some scorching. Cause you can, you can get it burnt on the bottom. I, I have right. friends in San Diego that were making a, uh, wee heavy and they didn't add any smoke malt, but they weren't paying attention either. Right. <laughs> and they scorched the daylights out. I tasted it 
later, like uh, a couple of years later, and it was smoky. Whoa. You know, it was really, really unusual. Did they add any extract to the boil, or were they, was it just fine? I'm not, I'm not sure. It might have been that, or it might have been they were boiling it down. You know, there was there was alcohol involved. Oh, I'm and, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know. And you get, like, six people. Go figure, yeah. Have you ever tried brewing with, like, that's six people? Not, that's hectic. While you're drinking and, you know, eating and, you know, doing this and chatting away. And, and somehow, you know, out of six people, like, one person ends up, like, doing most of the brewing. Yeah. And the other five stand around talking and kibitzing and kind of, you know, messing things up. And then that's pretty much it. And, yeah. uh, something goes wrong too. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> that one person who kind of gets tired of doing everything stops and then the rest of the people don't notice it. And then, you know, like then, fires break out. And, yeah. You know, children get injured or people or, fall in the boil kettle. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it might be. So, um, my understanding is that you got one of your award-winning recipes that we're going to cover tonight. Yeah. Did you want to go over right now, or? Yeah. If, was... you, if you're ready, you want to you want to kind of tease us with some of the particulars as far as uh, gravity and and all that. And, sure. Uh, um, let's see here. Brewed this back in 2004. Um, let's see here for. 12 gallons in, at the end of the boil, that's your goal volume, uh, 26 pounds of British pale malt, uh, Maris Otter, uh, 2 pounds of crystal 40, 1 pound of aromatic, Belgian aromatic, half pound of special bee, and 4 ounces of roasted barley, and then uh, 2 ounces for Northern Brewer, um, 7% alpha for 60 minutes, and then I also add 8 pounds of English extract to the boil for the last 60 minutes, mm-hmm. and make sure you turn the flame off. Right. To avoid the smokiness. And that extract is just to uh, bump, bump up the gravity so you don't have to do a right. giant grain bill, right. you know, and, and blow out your, your mash tun because... Yeah, you, you know, a big mash tun. Yeah, and I mean, you got 26 pounds of British pale there and you got 8 pounds of English extract. You're gonna not really going to notice that you're using English extract. It's not, you know, yes. people worry, worry about making, a, you know, an extract... Tasting beer, it's like you, you're not going you're to know. Not, you're not gonna know. Right. You know the extracts are high quality. Or, you know, if you're buying cruddy extract, then maybe that's a problem. But you, you know, most places nowadays are selling you know high quality extracts, mm-hmm. and you add that in along with uh, you know a good portion of grain. You can you can go you know thirty percent, forty percent of your of your uh, fermentables Just as extract. Sure, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. I, I see no, no problem with that. It makes it much easier. Especially to hit that gravity. You definitely need it. I mean, yeah. I can only hit a 1070 in mine, mm-hmm. 30 pounds of grain. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeast, um, definitely recommend either a clean California yeast, the 01 mm-hmm. or an Enberg. Mm-hmm. Um, which one's that? 028? Uh, yeah, that's so right. Oh, 28. Uh, ferment it cool for. Yeah, WPO 28 or the YE 1728 Scottish Ale. Okay. And, uh, if you're using dry yeast, you go with the Fermentus, uh, Cephal USO5, you know, which is the same thing as the Calil yeast or the 1056. Okay. And then I mash at 152 Fahrenheit, uh, which is 60 degrees Celsius, uh, for 60 minutes, maybe longer, 90 minutes, depending on what I'm doing. And, um, ferment it cool, 62 mm-hmm. to 64 mm-hmm. degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. which is about 60 degrees Celsius, uh, for about three weeks in the primary. I don't even touch it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just go to the bright tank after that. Right. So, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a break and uh, 
When we come back, we'll kind of go through and we'll break down the uh, the various aspects of this recipe and just you know discuss why uh, each thing's important and, and and what it does. Perfect. All right, so cool. we'll be back right after this. Coming this fall, four beer kits and a bag of sanitizer. That will be four thousand dollars for shipping. Never. I will pay more than twenty bucks for shipping. Ha ha ha! You will not find a deal like that now. Northern Brewers flat rate shipping promotion is finished. No. I'll never pay that much. Never. My patience wears thin, young home brewer. You must pay too much for shipping. <laughs> never fear. Northern Brewers here. Foolish Northern Brewer. Your flat rate shipping promotion has ended. No, sir. Now we got $7.99 flat rate shipping all the time over here. Ah. Northern Brewer has all of your home brewing, wine, mead, cider, and soda making needs. And a complete line of award winning beer kits, including the intergalactically boozy Bourbon Barrel Porter. <laughs> Still with cheap ass shipping. Place an order at northernbrewer.com and get some Flat rate, seven ninety nine shipping action. Offer good and contiguous U.S. only. Some heavy and or bulky items are excluded, such as glass bottles, sacks of grain, bulky meat, and oak barrels. Take that, guy. Seven ninety nine flat rate shipping. Ah, my retina. Retina? Damn near killed ya. Uh, Jamil John Palmer book, Brewing Classic Styles. If you've been waiting to get your autographed copy, that's it. They're out. They're gone. Did you miss your chance for a signed copy of Brewing Classic Styles? Well, this holiday season, the Homebrew Book of the Year meets the Homebrew Book of the Decade. And they're both signed. That's right. Brewing Classic Styles by Jamil Zanishev and John Palmer and How to Brew by John Palmer are available for a very limited time this Christmas in the Brewing Network store. How to Brew is the book for first-time brewers and brewing veterans alike. Brewing Classic Styles is your recipe roadmap to a award-winning beer with specifics on every beer style in the BJCP guidelines. This limited package is now the only way to buy a signed copy of these legendary home-brewing Bibles. Get your package before this offer runs out only at the Brewing Network store, your home-brewing home for the holidays. What have you gotten out of a vial of White Labs yeast? WLP-001, Cal Ale, baby! 23, Burton Hill. 008 East Coast Ale. Cal Common, WLP 810. It's going to be WLP 400 with beer. I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew your own clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah, some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Make beer. <laughs> Network. Now, back to the Jameel Show. I feel good. Oh, yeah. I feel funky right now. That's good. 
How about James Brown? Strong, yeah, I think man. you're smelling a little funky. You're out uh, like, cleaning. And, uh, I got PBW all over me. <laughs> oh, my God. I just caked up the strong scotch ale today. Yeah, yeah. And that yeast bed was... I like to put latex gloves on my hand at, when I sand it. It would be sanitary. Uh-huh. And um, I like to actually scoop up the yeast uh-huh. and look at it. Uh-huh. Just to see what it is and kind of look at the colors. And you can tell the different color lines in the yeast with the uh-huh. good stuff versus uh-huh. the bad troop. And uh-huh. Man, that thing was thick. It's just, just so much yeast. Anyways. <laughs> Sounds like you started making love to it there. Or, or <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always like hold it, smell it. I like to smell it afterwards. <laughs> you like to smell it afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> I do. You know, it's, I think we get some good sound bites to isolate the show. <laughs> I like to smell it afterwards. Anyways. They're, yeah. they're our friends, you know, the yeast. And yeah. No, no, I, I, I think that's interesting. I think it's uh, actually yeah, a good thing because, uh, you know, you can you can start to see if the yeast has started to break down. Yeah. Uh, you know, if there's any sort of bacterial contamination, you'll smell that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if there's any, you know, sourness or funkiness or wild yeast or, mm-hmm. you know, you can pick that up. You know, aroma is, uh, you know, one of our stronger senses. Right. Or strongest sense, I would say. Right. You know, you can detect, you know, uh, you know, a thousand different aromas in beer. Right. Uh, so you know half, like right. You may not. Uh, yeah. The trick is being able to isolate it out and pin it down and just and put a label on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you if you just you know were to do what you're doing, you know, smell that yeast all the time and look at it and all mm-hmm. that, uh, even taste it. You, mm-hmm. If the beer turns out great, you know, you're kind of you're kind of building up a library, and then if it doesn't taste that same way, and the beer turns out bad, you're kind of like, okay, something's going on. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I've got some indicators, and right. you know, sight and taste and smell and feel. Hmm. You know, that's a, that's a great way. Hmm. I, you know, I, I think you're doing yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, great habit to get into. You know, kind of sensory mm-hmm. analysis of of. Every process of your beer, you right. know, I, I like to taste and smell the the wort, right? You know, and uh, usually I let it cool down so it's not like boiling before I taste it. Yeah, but uh, through the whole thing, yeah, yeah, yeah from beginning to end. I, I, you know, I, I smell the kettle, you know, while yeah. while while it's boiling. Yeah, and you know, it's because it, you enjoy it, but then also it kind of gives you some ideas of right. you know what the wort is like, and you know, yeah, same thing when you add the hops and when you you know. When you're taking your gravity readings and to every step of the way, you try and kind of, you know, uh, know your beer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's a, that's an excellent idea. Good point. But it's amazing how beer uh, evolves, too. Mm-hmm. You know, from the boil to, to the bottle. I mean. Right. Right. Where you feel it's presentable to put in the bottle. Everything in between there is like a, a unique experience. Well, and I think that's yeah. a good point too. Right? You're full of good points tonight. Um, I think, uh, y- you know, uh, again, tasting it every step of the way, you're, you get to see what the different parts of the process lend to the final beer. You know, it's like the difference between wort and, uh, you know, fermented wort or right. beer. You know, there's a huge difference there. Sure. You know, beer at the beginning of fermentation, at the end of fermentation, or, you know, it's like beer when you first keg it, and beer, you know, six months, like you're saying, ages us for six months. Right. You know, what happens over the six months? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, an interesting process. Definitely a wake up, like, there's more to beer than what you think you've known, or, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or you never stop learning at least, you know. Right, right. All right, on your recipe, 
Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I missed it or not. Uh, did you give the batch size? Ten gallons, right? Uh, I did. Twelve gallons. Twelve yeah. gallons. And then what's the starting gravity? Uh, 1088. 1088. And uh, then uh, finishing, finishing gravity? That's 1030. 1030. Right. And then the IBUs? 24 IBUs. 24 IBUs. Right. And then uh, the color? Do you have an SRM on that? I do. Uh, 21 on SRM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's right. It's an average, you know, in the guidelines. It's somewhere in between. Right, yeah. right. It's yeah, the guidelines uh, anywhere OG is anywhere from ten seventy to uh, uh, one thirty, right. uh, one point one thirty, uh, seventeen point one Plato to thirty point two Plato. Finishing gravity eighteen to thirty. Uh, IBU seventeen to thirty five. SRM fourteen to twenty five, and alcohol is six point five to ten percent uh, ABV. Right. Okay, and then. Uh, so uh, let's go down these grains. You know, you're using British pale uh, ale malt. Uh, you know, why is that? And you're also using English extract. Um, well, I tried to brew based on where I think the malts are available by region. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be a style, you know, I guess. I mean, That's I know more, point. more beer has two-row as mm-hmm. their recipe, but this was a take from their recipe. And I just thought British Pale would be more to style for this beer. That's an excellent point. Even if you don't know what the individual grains yeah. would do, yeah. if you're brewing a German, you know, Pilsner, maybe I'd use German Pilsner, Pilsner. malt. <laughs> yeah, it kind of made sense. If you're brewing <laughs> a, uh, you know, uh, an American Pilsner, maybe use two you know, American Pilsner malt or two row or right. six row or whatever. But uh, you know, use the ingredients. If you're making a Belgian beer, maybe use uh, Belgian malts. Use the malts or you know, an English beer. Use English malts. Yeah. Now we just get to know the beer. Right. Well, and I, I, you know, my recipe also, I, I, I go with the British pale ale malt because, uh, you know, it's got that extra maltiness, that mm-hmm. biscuity, that, that richer, warmer background malt flavor. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Big malt you know, background. Yeah, yeah. And I, so. I think it's, it's really probably, you can, um, you know, I used to use Golden Promise, uh-huh. uh, for all these. People read about that. Do you like that? Yeah, you know, I I did for a while, and then I decided, you know, it's really not that much of a difference to just use, uh, you know, uh, any British pale ale malt. Uh, you know, it's it's more about the maltster than it is the cultivar. Okay, and I think that's that's what really makes the big difference. So, um, yeah, I still I have a full sack of Gold Promise sitting in my uh, my little grain room there. <laughs> I still haven't used it. It's like, well, it's uh, not worth you know not okay. worth bothering with. So if anybody wants to come swing by and pick up a sack of Golden Promise, uh, you're gonna get a hundred emails. Yeah, I'll fly in from Maine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Okay, okay. Uh, all right. So and then uh, you've got what? Uh, crystal you know, forty uh, aromatic. Yeah, a good a good uh, load of crystal forty. There, you got a couple of pounds. Right. And I would you say that forty is contributing to those. Those raisin plum flavors a little bit. Uh, not not as much as uh, you got special B, special and that B. that okay. really does it. That's okay. that's raisiny plummy. Okay. The the crystal forty in the forty range, anywhere in the twenty up to maybe sixty. Love, uh, you get a caramel flavor and a sweetness. Right. Uh, below twenty, it tends to just be sweet. Once you get starting up past 60 then it starts to get a little raisiny okay and uh you go up into the 120s or the you know the special b all the way up into the 200s that's where it starts getting a little uh burnt raisin uh, you know more plum things like right. that yeah yeah now 120 is would you use that 
in this recipe, could you a little bit? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, and especially if you don't have special B, yeah. uh, you know, go sub uh, 120 oh, yeah. in there. That's unique. And I, it's great for red ales, too, 120. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll add a nice uh, color to it. Right. Which this uh, beer uh, can use those ruby highlights mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, also, you know, those flavors. Mm-hmm. And then you got the aromatic there. <clears throat> yeah, the Belgian aromatic. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. And that that's going to give you, you know, kind of a malty uh, character as well. Adds to that malty character. Now the the roasted barley, you've got uh, what four ounces for a twelve gallon batch. So that'd be you know, two, two ounces in a, yeah. you know, a six or five. Just a little batch. bit. I, roasted barley is pretty harsh, pretty strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll cut through. I mean, I, I don't taste roastedness in it, right? But it definitely, I think, balances out the sweetness. So it does add a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a dryness to it, mm-hmm. but. It, one of the big things it's adding is uh, a color. Sure. Right? Oh, so tremendous, yeah. it's, you know, a lot of brewers will use roasted barley as a color adjustment. Yeah. Very common in a lot of beers. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the, the British beers. Okay. Uh, they tend to add a, just a touch of roasted barley, you know, British pale ale, things like that. They'll mm-hmm. add a touch of roasted barley to uh, uh, color it up a little bit and mm-hmm. make it seem, you know, more robust. Right. Is that preferred or like a patent, a black patent or a carafa or does it matter? No, I, I think, you, I you think you, any of those. The roasted barley, I think, uh, will give you, uh, you know, again, if you're looking for those, that hint of smokiness, maybe, you know, roasted barley is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, black patent tends to be, I think, a little, a little smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, um, and there's different color levels as well. Right. I mean, you can find black patent and roasted barley anywhere from I think like, three hundred, you know, th- three something to you know six, six something yeah. as far as love bond. And there's a big difference between those. Right. You know, so uh, and your percentages change, of course, too. Right. Based, right. Based mm-hmm. on the love bond, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, a little touch ah. of uh, roasted barley. That's actually fairly traditional. A real mm-hmm. traditional recipe would be, uh, you know, British pale ale malt. A uh, little dash of uh, roasted barley, and you know, maybe you use a crystal malt, or maybe you just, uh, you know, uh, run off the the first runnings a couple of gallons and boil that down until it starts to caramelize in the pot. Really, and then uh, you know, there's your caramel flavors, and then you run the rest in, you know, like hmm. that. So you boil it separately, like a gallon or two. Yeah, you could do it in a separate pot, or you oh, okay, in the, in the kettle, and you just throw that into the big boil kettle yeah. afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, that can give you caramel flavors. The problem with that is uh, uh, it, it has a different flavor than the crystal malts. Yeah. And people are really um, more in tune with the crystal malts for, for caramel malt flavors. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you when you do that boil, it tends to be a lot more toffee-like, and people start talking about uh, diacetyl and things like that. Interesting. Butter, butter flavors. Okay. And, uh, not that there is, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the perception. And the interesting thing is, you know, perhaps many years ago, they did a lot more, you know, three hour boils and, and stuff like that. Just to get the gravity up. Yeah. Nowadays, you go to, you know, Caledonian or whatever. Yeah. They throw in crystal malt, you know, because they don't, you know, (laughs) pay for three hour boils, you know, these, you know, a three hour boil is a, on a, uh, many barrel system yeah, is, sure. is a very expensive thing. Yeah, it's so much cheaper to just throw in some crystal malt, and that's right. really the way it's being done uh, nowadays. So, 
uh, you know, nothing wrong with the specialty malts. And, you know, it's a yeah different flavor. If you're going for something really historic and all that, maybe mm-hmm. with a longer boil and and again, maybe then you would get a little bit of smokiness. But hmm. uh, you know, again, it's just incredibly subtle. Hmm. It's in your imagination more than anything. Okay, specific so. <laughs> brew. Right on. You right. know, I've had a fair amount of um, customers brew your beer, your Scottish shillings. Oh, uh-huh. and they always uh-huh. talk about hey, I had to pull off two gallons. You know, boil it to get that type of flavor for that style. Uh-huh. I mean, do you recommend that? I mean, would you recommend someone trying this in a Scotch ale or not? I mean, to be traditional or uh, you know, you can. Um, I but, I don't. Okay. You know, again, I'm lazy. Okay. So for me, it's you know just throw in the specialty malts like and you said. you know get whatever character, and that's why you know in some of my recipes I've got you know five six seven grains in there Mm -hmm. and some of them i have very few right and it just depends on you know there's there's other things in the process it's you know Mm -hmm. long boils or it's other things that are happening that i just don't want to do that i'll just mimic with uh Mm -hmm. the grains okay and um you know i'll just go from there Mm -hmm. and that's you know for me that's easier and i'm extremely lazy (laughs) being as old as i am i I think i've earned the right to be lazy yeah what about um, hops? I mean, why? I, mean, I just chose Northern Brew because that's what I mm-hmm. was a part of the recipe when I got it. Mm-hmm. But could you use something else like Kent Goldings? Or yeah, does it matter? Or? Kent Goldings is my my preferred okay. hop for for that. Uh, yeah, I I think you know you're really just looking for uh, mainly just a bittering. Okay. You can go ahead and kick in a little aromatic addition at the end if you want. Um, you know, not really required, not really against the against the uh, rule, but uh, any relatively clean bittering hop is fine. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons I like to go with a Kent Goldings or some low alpha acid hop is that uh, you know some uh, you know appropriate uh, you know English type uh, low alpha acid hop is that. Trying to get, you know, adding a couple ounces of that at, uh, you know, at the 60 minute mark, you'll actually get some flavor from that carried throughout the beer. Sure. And that will, um, you know, kind of carry through, uh, you know, to the end and you kind of, you kind of get, uh, you know, cause in, in my recipe, I'll go with, uh, you know, for a, Six gallon batch. I'll go with you know about an ounce and a half or so. Okay, okay, okay. And you can kind of taste that through the end of the right. beer. So, hmm. yeah, that's one reason to go with a lower alpha acid hop. But you know, you, you can use anything for bittering in these. When I caked my uh, Scotch ale today, I got kind of a um, a metallic aroma. That made me a little nervous. I mean, the maltiness is there. It's clean. It tastes like, uh-huh. but I don't know if it, I was like, okay, there's no CO2 in this. It hasn't had a time to condition. The maltiness has come out, and I was wondering if that was hop derived at all from a northern brewer. Yeah, or yeah. is it? It just had a. Well, but also I'm worried about extract mm-hmm. because I've had extract beers that have had a metallic flavor to them. Mm-hmm. So I was worried about the extract that I used too. See, and you know, I wish I could say definitively what it what is, it is. Mm-hmm. and. I've run across this in a number of different contexts. And the reason I would say it's not extract, a lot of people go, oh, you know, extract, metal can, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, old extract, something like that. The reason I say that's not the case, or, you know, maybe it's one of the cases, but 
it doesn't necessarily mean that because I've had all grain beers with right. that same metallic right. thing. Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. I've had all sorts of different hop types, hop varieties used and gotten that metallic towing from Something different else. different ones. Okay. Interesting. And, you know, all sorts of different, yeah, you know, different yeast. So, you know, every time I think, oh, it must be this. It's not. Or in, then, you know, something else, another beer comes along that proves me wrong. Right. So my latest theory is that it's uh, an oxidative no, character. Lost. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, an oxidation uh, thing. Okay. And that's but, the oxidation of the alcohol? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just, Wouldn't that make sense? You know, I'm 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 really you know this is a really odd one, and, and I I think anybody that tells you they really know what causes a metallic taste in beers, uh, perhaps there's you know a dozen different causes, and so everybody's right that you know you tasted this one time. Oh yeah, yeah, you know that's what it's from. Right. And I I I wouldn't say that's not true. I would just say that there are also instances. So it's not that. Always, a metallic taste comes from one of those things. Right. Okay. It, you know, it's from a variety of things or, you know, and, and again, I, maybe oxidation is just one contributing factor to of those things. Okay. So, yeah, so that's, that's the really odd thing about that. Interesting. Because I, it just came on the last week when I crashed it. Uh-huh. And it, it's in a sealed environment, but uh-huh. I know it's not an airtight environment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I worried about some oxidation getting in there. Yeah, you know. And it's, and you just don't know. Right. I, I don't know. My double, I, whatever. We could talk hours for but this. But then you get other beers that are clearly oxidized and no metallic. Exactly. Whatsoever. Yeah, they got And then go figure. <laughs> right. Exactly. So again, yeah, oxidation is definitely one of those things where, well, uh, it's one, it's, you know, it's a combination of things or it's, you know, who knows. Hmm. Well, then you make me start thinking about surface area Mm because it's a wide fermenter. Uh So Uh there's a fair amount of surface contact. Yeah, I don't know, whatever, oxidation. But I I think the only common thread I can pin down to the number of beers that I've come across with uh, with, uh, metallic taste would be possibly oxidation. Okay. Is it wild yeast contributed at all? Oh, I, Can they give you flavors like that? Quite possibly. I mean, there's a lot of different yeasts. There's, you right. know. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. So, <laughs> you know, maybe it's oxidation plus something else. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. Well, we'll find out. I'll yeah, bring yeah. I'll bring it back in like two months and we'll try it. Because <laughs> I'm going to drink it for a while. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, why don't we take a break, and when, and when we come back, we'll, we're going to talk about a little bit more about the, the mash and the fermentation, and we'll answer some questions from the chat room. We'll be back right after this. If you like the prices you get from the major homebrew shops but live on the wrong coast, or if your local homebrew shop doesn't carry what you need, or if you just want a shop where you are appreciated as a customer and treated like a friend, head on over to the do-it-yourself brewing company at DIYbrewing.com. They have an extensive selection and are bringing new products in on a daily basis. In fact, if you need something they don't have, just let them know, and they'll get it for you as soon as humanly possible. Check out all their products, recipe kits, 
winemaking supplies, and specials at DIYbrewing.com. With everything from Ferminators to Carboys, DIY Brewing either has what you need or can get it fast. At DIY, they're homebrewers helping homebrewers get what you need. Visit them in Rollinsworth, New Hampshire. Call 603-205-4168. And stop by DIYbrewing.com and get brewing. And during the month of October, get $5 off any $50 or more order with coupon code BN. Do it yourself with a little help from DIY Brewing. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Frecci and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giant Park. You're listening to the Brewing Network. This is the Jameel Show. <laughs> We're back. All right, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're enjoying uh, Shat's uh, really good Kolsch. Yeah, I like it. I think it's delicious. You know, the, and the finish is nice and crisp. This is like uh, Kolsch you'd have in Cologne. Other than it's a little cloudy, and there was like one little funky ester in there. But other than that, I tell you, this, this is a, at least a 40-point Kolsch. Wow. It's yeah, not for a, sure. You know, 42 maybe. Right. Really, really well done. Just imagine if he lagered it for two months. Yeah, well, be he, like, he will. I, I think I think this is really good. And then uh, I had a, a good pint of uh, Justin's beer, yeah, which actually I thought that was really good. Yeah, I was uh, 
I think the the flaw with it is the recipe, which is like is my it your fault because he <laughs> they called me up. He's like, hey, you know, I want to make like an English hammer, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I was probably like jacking off or something, so I didn't really have the time to uh, you know <laughs> go into detail of the recipe, and I probably told him something bizarre. But it's I think a little too intensely malty biscuity. Yeah. But other than that, I think the fermentation and, like, you know, apparently all your process is really good. Yeah. It's probably the process-wise and the ease of the brew day and all of that is one of the best ones I've, I've ever yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it shows in that beer. I think that's that's really well done. I think, uh, again, I think the flaws in that, if I was to, you know, write up, uh, you know, a scoring sheet on that, my recommendations are, well, you know, you need to change your recipe a bit. Yeah. Doc had said... And I actually was talking to somebody in the chat room about it too, because I was mentioning that flaw myself. Um, that it could, that flavor could come from it being a bit yeasty. Also, do you think that it's yeasty? Mm, no, I don't. Not at this point. Yeah. I think it's just it's too intense, biscuity, and and you got a, a lot of uh, you know background uh, malt flavors there. A little too much. Yeah, okay. Well, I was looking for malty, but I kind of agree if. By the time you get to the end of the pint, it's a little too rich. You know, right, there's a lot right. of sweetness there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, it's a good beer. But I definitely, yeah, it's drinkable. I've been drinking it, mm-hmm. and I'm happy with it. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm gonna throw that one out. Yeah, I'm I'm throw it out. I wouldn't put it in a competition to win or anything like that. But um, I liked it. I was happy with it. Yeah. You know? No, I, I think you know, once you get your process down, yeah, then it then it becomes possible to you know start tweaking recipes. Right. You know, once you get to the point where, okay, I'm not screwing up the beer, you know, uh, you know, now I can, uh, you know, I can be sure that, uh, you know, if I want something to be maltier or less malty or more hoppy or less hoppy, yeah. you start dialing it in, you know. Well, I'm really control. glad that uh, you messed up my beer this time instead of <laughs> yeah. instead of me. You know, you messed up my yeah. shot at a gold or something. You know, yes, this could have yes. been the one because everything else went just flawlessly. Right. Well, <laughs> see now you have to repeat that. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's something. this book out called Brewing uh, Classic <laughs> Styles. Yeah. Segue. Yeah. Any winning recipes? You know, just brew the recipes in there. Don't call me up and ask me to uh, like tweak a recipe for you. Yeah. You know, while I'm off doing something else, uh, far more important than talking to you. Sure, but that requires effort on my part. Uh, right, right. So I don't think. <laughs> well, see, the I think the whole the whole f- problem here then was we had a situation that required effort on your part. Yeah, required effort on my part, and neither of us wanted to put in the effort. <laughs> That's right. So, so the resulting beer was just a yeah. sort of adequate uh, yeah. ale. Yeah. That's what oh, I'll call uh, it. Adequate, adequate ale. ale. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> good, I, I actually, I, you know, I drank a full pint of that. I, I thought it was pretty good. And I, I had Chad's Colch, uh, cool. the and then I, I went back to the uh, Justin's uh, English Chamber. Oh, great. He definitely knows a compliment when Jay-Z finishes the whole pint. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't drink... Uh, Crappy beer. I got way too much beer to drink. Well, I don't even pour him full pints when I'm giving him one of my beers. I pour him a taste, and I go, "Here you go. Just yeah, if like, you want more, it's right there." Like he eases three <laughs> drops into the bottom of the glass. Here, taste this before I pour you more. Yeah, well, I'm like, all right, because I know the deal. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Just want to keep more for himself. This, yeah. Yeah, there you go. No, no, no. Yeah, Justin's very generous. All right. Did you want? Are you ready for a question? No, I, I wanted to see what was your mash temperature on this bad boy. Uh, 152 Fahrenheit, 66 degrees Celsius. Okay. And that's kind of like a Midland... Uh, Sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's going to give you a, a fair amount of body, especially in a bigger beer. Right. You have quite a bit of body left. Um, if you want this to finish a little um, less full, 
you know, drop that temperature down a few degrees. Yeah, I mean, you could do a 148, and that would probably dry it out a little bit more, which wouldn't be a bad thing because it's right, so high right. gravity anyways. Right, right. So. Well, and it depends on the kind of yeast you're going to use. True. Or, you know, uh, jack it up more if you're going to use a more attenuative yeast. Right. Well, what type of yeast would... I mean, you well, use Calileo in yours, right? Uh, or Edinburgh. Ed- Edinburgh. Okay. Edinburgh. And um, what do you like about that yeast? You know, it, it, it's not as clean, I think, as the Calileo yeast. Okay. Uh, attenuates uh, fairly well. Um... You know, it's got kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a ester profile to it. Okay. And, uh, so I, I go with that because on my Scottish ales, I use the Cali ales. Right. Super clean. Yeah. 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 But on this, I think you, you need a little bit more flavor. Okay. So you can go with that. You can go with the, maybe the Irish ale yeast or, you know, right. but again, you'd, you'd want to use real cool temperatures on those, even if you use something like an, an English ale yeast okay. or something like that. That, I think, you know, you're kind of pushing it. Right. Um, when I know. had used one and, we're talking about that. You wouldn't recommend using English yeast because of some of the esters that it produces. It's, it's going to be too estery, and if you force the temperature low enough right. that, that it's not estery, what you're going to end up with is, um, you know, it, it may under attenuate. It'll drop out. You end up with a high finishing gravity. It's right. way too sweet. Right. So you want to ha- be able to keep the temperature high enough that this thing's going to, you know, ferment all the way through. Right. Um, you know, so you got to be kind of kind of careful. I messed around with. British yeast per amount and uh-huh, uh-huh. and the low sixties I was I was you had checked out my notes here but I picked up like apricot and pear flavor right which would not be desirable right. for the style but well then you you know why you're getting apricot apricot and pear partially because of uh, fruity esters but partially because you know so those ale yeast the colder you go they start kicking out a little bit of sulfur and oh. apricot and pear uh, you know are kind of the the fruits that uh, you know sulfur reminds me of. I didn't know ale yeast can produce a fair amount of sulfur then. Yeah, especially when you get real cold. cold. If you get down in the 50s, it definitely can. Okay. Uh, I was real surprised. I was at Sierra Nevada. Yeah. And they had a, uh, a tank there where they were doing all, uh, like a Schwartz beer. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Schwartz beer, you know, in their pilot brewery. And so I got a little uh, taste out of the Zwickle. And, uh, uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, that's really sulfury. I'm like, what lager yeast is this? And uh, they're like, oh, it's the ale yeast. I took a look at the tag, and it was like they're using their Sierra Nevada ale yeast at like in the low fifties. No way for a Schwartz beer. Uh, yeah, and it was. I was swore it was a lager yeast. Wow, and it was so sulfury, and uh, you know, which is a big sign of you know lager yeast. What a universal yeast that is. Yeah, and well, and I think uh, you know a lot of these yeasts you can you can get to do that and they'll sure. kick out some some serious uh, lager like characteristics. And I. Didn't think. I think you got to be real careful how you handle the yeast so it doesn't drop out and stop fermenting. Yeah, to get it to work in the fifties. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that's tricky. That is tricky. But uh, sure you know they is. know your their yeast. That's a that's a uh, a brewery full of scientists. Yeah. You know they don't advertise it, but they get, a lot, they get a lot of they get a lot of people in in labs doing some work, and cool. and they're really pushing the boundaries. A really cool place, cool people too. I remember when I first started brewing, and when I first started equating with you, uh, you always recommend to stick to a single yeast, you know, mm-hmm. for your ales and mm-hmm. a single lager yeast. So you learn it, and yeah. we'll get to know your yeast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I've been doing that for two or three years, and maybe you now I'm getting back to experimenting. But it's amazing, even after two or three years, I'm still learning about that yeast. Right. Because I'll ferment a British yeast at 58 on one beer, 62 mm-hmm. on another, mm-hmm. 68 on another, right. and I just know what it'll do. Right. I don't know. It's an intimate relationship. Well, especially you get your rubber gloves on and you start uh, caressing your yeast. Hey, I encourage. I got these really cool gloves. They're the same material that condoms are made out of. <laughs> That's serious. 
And they're 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 like Does that. It say that on the box or something. No, it's, but it's like ribbed yeah. for yeast handling pleasure. Yeah. But they're clear, the same material. But they don't they don't rip as easily as like uh, hospital gloves. Oh. Yeah, I've heard that too. Because <laughs> condoms, <laughs> always word too, right? That's why I got two kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ripped twice. Whoops. <laughs> but they you minimize once, shame on you. <laughs> rips twice, shame on me. <laughs> Oh, why do you wear them? To, to san- sanitation? Well, sanitation. That's want to catch like AIDS from his yeast. Yeah. yeah. But no, I can isopropyl alcohol in the hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sterile. Um, also, you're, you're doing a lot of chemicals during brew day. And I just got tired of the hands you know, breaking down. those really soft hands when he goes yeah. up and caresses you. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, notice how, how soft his hands are? You never trust a man who, when you shake his hand, it, it's soft like a chick. <laughs> you don't trust him. That's how you know right then. Uh, it's softer than your own butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It's man, just for... softer than my ass. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a bad thing. Well, it's to minimize, minimize chemical <laughs> exposure, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. PBW will eat through. I mean, it'll just oh, yeah. tear you up. Well, I told you I, I oh. washed those 18 kegs. I cleaned 18 kegs one yeah. day, and all the skin on my hands came off. So it does it for like fat. a week. You know, yeah. I mean, I just shed skin like you wouldn't believe. Wow. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, an entire new set of hands wow. came out after, shed after that. All right. So uh, questions from the chat room. Yeah. Uh, mainly just about uh, the malt. Um, someone had asked about golden promise malt and if there's you know really a, a noticeable difference using golden promise over say you know something like maris otter well the, the interesting thing is all right so golden promise maris otter halcyon optic um you know these are cultivars of uh of malt uh, of grains right so it's like uh you know, in hops, you have uh, Cascade, you have Halitar, you have all this, right? So there's there's huge differences there. But in malt, it's not quite so apparent. I, there are differences. I mean, there's a big difference between, like, feed grain and, like, malting quality grain. Sure. But a huge difference, really, in the way the maltster handles the grain. So... Uh, is great, and I think one of the reasons we like Marisotter and we keep talking about our Golden Promise... Just because it's a yeah, more, more traditional, sorry, bourbon in the microphone, more traditional, um, uh, you know, it's been around for for just uh, just a, a a long time, you mm-hmm. know, and you know we tend to tend to like that, and I think really if you can get a high quality uh, British pale ale malt from a quality maltster, I would go with that before I worried about finding Golden Promise or Marisotter. Yeah. There you go. That's more important. Sure. Now, if you've got a maltster that's high quality and you're dealing with them, your homebrew shop's dealing with them, and then they say, oh, would you like the Golden Promise or the Marisotta from this same maltster? It's like, oh, okay, then then go ahead and start making some choices. Okay. And you will taste a difference. But uh, mainly, it's it's a high-quality maltster is, is the most important. And it's definitely important for the yeah. style, too. Sure. Did you want to, uh, you know, recap your, your recipe real quick? R- real quickly, okay. Uh, for 12 gallons, it's 26 pounds of Merce Otter Pale, 2 pounds of Crystal 40, a pound of Belgian Aromatic, half pound of Belgian Special Bee, quarter pound of Black Roasted Barley, 8 pounds of Alexander's uh, Pale Liquid, English, um, for 60 minutes in the boil, and 2 ounces of Northern Brewer, 7% Alpha. And you can use either Edinburgh, Calliope yeast, Irish yeast, English yeast if you want to be weird. Um, but yeah, ferment it cool if you can. Mash at 152. Mash at 152. Boil ferment for nine. Ferment cool in the, in the mid 
60s, 60s or yeah. low 60s Fahrenheit. Right. Let that thing age out for a few months. And then drink a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Good beer. All right. And one other thing I want to talk about is, uh, nice. you know, if you go to the uh, Brewing Network store, mm-hmm. you're going to find AHA memberships. They have a, a nice. They have a gift card now. Really? That uh, you can you can go to the to the uh, uh, brewingnetwork.com slash store, and uh, these AHA membership cards you can either buy them for yourself thirty eight dollars that includes shipping. That's wow, the, that's the price that you would pay at the AHA website. Sure. And you can either give these as a gift to somebody. You, you don't need to register anything. They take care of it themselves online. They get a nice gift card. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go online and activate it online. Right. Or you could buy it for yourself, activate it online for yourself. And, uh, you know, the benefits to these, we've talked about the HA before. The American yeah. Home Brewers Association, they're fighting for the rights of us home, home brewers, yeah. okay? They make a major difference. So if you buy one of these, I'm telling you what's going to happen. One is you're supporting home brewing. The homebrewing community, right. the AHA, this is an excellent thing. This is going to ensure your rights to homebrew. Uh, there's still five states that do not allow homebrewing. There's a lot of laws that uh, you know people try to pass to, to fight off uh, you know people who enjoy beer. <laughs> so you know uh, again, important support. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to support the brewing network because a small portion of uh, that membership goes to the brewing network. Nice. Going to keep programming like this going. If uh, Justin can, you know, afford Top Ramen and uh, Mac and Cheese, you're going to he's going to still have the energy right to push the buttons that make us uh, make our voices come out uh, across the air. <laughs> there like, you go. Uh, you know. Again, we'd be lost without this guy. Yes, exactly. And the final person that uh, actually benefits hugely from this is going to be you. Right? Uh, as an AHA member myself, the Zymer G Magazine, all the events that they run. Pub discounts. Big for me. Pub discounts. Uh, if you're in a state where they do a lot of pub discounts. Personally, I got a BJ's down the road. I pay for my AHA membership, you know, easily. Yeah. So, uh, get yourself to the store, brewingnetwork.com. You can, uh, buy a copy of Brewing Classic Styles, any <laughs> or, or AHA membership. Uh, clothes, you know, they got the hats, they got the shirts, they got all that good stuff. But, uh, hoodies. really, yeah. Just got hoodies, the hoodies. they got the hoodies in there, real cool. And, uh, I really believe, um, if you, if you, if you want to see this home brewing thing, uh, you know, keep going, you want to be a member of the AHA. And it's still growing, too. It's a, it's a good thing for, for everybody if, yeah. if we're all members. So, please, go and buy an AHA membership. Yeah. Uh, skip the, bring, you know, t- d- ignore the Brewing Classic Styles book. Uh, wait, wait for next year for that, but buy the AHA membership now. Nice. All right. So, uh, I think that was an excellent show. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed, uh, hearing your recipe on the, on the, the Wee Heavy. That's Man, good stuff. Good show with you. Thanks, bud. Yeah. I enjoyed this. And, uh, if you're listening, uh, on the archives or even live, uh, we're coming up next with, uh, Belgian Golden Strong Yum. Ale. Good stuff. All, All right. right. Bruce Stone. Bruce Stone. <laughs>